Today on Inside the Ropes, another in a long list of Australian winners in 2020 joins us with Brett Druitt, all the way from Chicago. We chat to Catherine Kirk before the ANA Inspiration, Andrea Lamont Mills about a new direction for the Australian golf industry, and a special update on doing it for Jared. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favourite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au. G'day, everybody. Welcome to the show for another week, Inside the Ropes, our wrap of everything that's been taking... Well, most of the things that have been taking place in the world of golf in the last seven days. Great to be here with you. Episode number 180. Another Australian winner joins us on the show this week. It's just, it's it's fantastic what's going on around the world with Australians either contending on a weekly basis or winning these days. Brett Druitt, uh, potential life-changing week for him. We'll get to him uh, very, very shortly. Nearly had a couple of girls as well. Hazy on the Symmetra Tour, who stuck their yeah. nose right into the thick of things late uh, in that one. There's a bit to get through this week. Yeah, there is. We'll come to the girls a little later on. But can you believe nine, Andy? Nine winners we've had in a season ripped apart, obviously, by COVID-19. Um, nine Australian winners on, on men's tours around the world. It's uh, it's unbelievable, to be honest. It's breathtaking. It really is. Yeah, it is. I mean, Once it, upon it, a time, it, we it, might have had... Yeah, go on. No, you're right. I was going to say, and it's, it's in Asia, it's in... Different levels of North America. It's in Europe. Um, it's domestic, obviously, um, but it's it's not just a flash in the pan where we run well on a certain track. It's uh, you know it's it's constant where we've we've got people at the pointy end of leaderboards all over the place in all different conditions. It's it's yep. really quite remarkable. Once upon a time, we might have had nine tournaments won, but there might have been three from Norman, three from Webb. Two from Appleby, one from we might, but it would have been contained to a, a relatively small group of potential winners nowadays, and that's with all due respect to you know the, the quality of we had obviously more than just those guys and girls winning back in the day, but nowadays wherever you look, there's any number of content. Like for example, the the four blokes who are teeing it up this week in Europe, or the five girls who are teeing it up in the A and I wouldn't be surprised if you know like. You know, Jay, uh, 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 Scrivener, Jason Scrivener's knocking on the door over in Europe. He's he's going to win a tournament, or maybe not. He can't be quite so categoric, but he's going to be in the hunt within the next, you know, three, four, five, six weeks. He's going to get himself in the mix sooner or later. Oh, I'm really bullish about him, Andy. I'd go as nearly as far mm. as to say as he will, because. Uh, he's just building up that base. And we, we talked about it for, for weeks and weeks on the podcast about how the Aussies on the Corn Ferry Tour were building up that base. And we weren't sure where the wins were going to come from. And it seemed like we just couldn't get over the line. And now we've got two in the past three weeks. It's it's going to happen for Scriv for sure. Um, I, I also got a sneaky suspicion that Steph Kiriakou might get one done in Europe at some point too because she's, she's just like a bull at a gate. So, um, you know, we get, we, we've got them on all counts and you, you can't ever write off Minji Lee and Hannah Green and um, mm-hmm. Catherine Kirk, uh, as we'll hear later, is in great form as well. So, um, you know, it's it, it's on all fronts. I mean, it's really exciting, actually. It is. So we'll hear from Catherine Kirk. Brett Druitt's going to join us. We've got an update from the professor up at the University of Southern Queensland who joined us a few weeks ago with a... Um, inviting people to be part of a kind of study, particularly women, you know, the benefits of golf, 
for women in sport in particular who are going through menopause. But there's also a Tea Your Mind mindful video that's <laughs> been released this week. And I'm actually fascinated by this before we get stuck into you know, to a championship and all the bits and pieces. I'm actually really interested to know, particularly from Victorian golfers who can't get out on golf courses at the moment because of the lockdown, if they avail themselves of this mindfulness video that Golf Australia's put out, what sort of experience they get from losing themselves in it, I'll be very interested to know. It's, uh, this is fascinating, Andy. It's been a, a, community, a golf community product, product, not just GA, but the background of it was fascinating. We, we decided... It, it's actually... This, is, this podcast is a very good example of the problem facing golf is that we talk to rusted on golfers all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This Tee Your Mind video is so left field for golf. It's unbelievable. Um, it's not for everyone. Don't get me wrong. You're not going to tune in and have your game, uh, you know, peaked or anything like that. But I would be staggered if there aren't people who benefit, who don't benefit from this. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, it's so far different to what we normally do. So the Tee Your Mind video is effectively a three-hour relaxation video. I, I, that's... It is that a is nutshell, it. if I had to give it. That yeah. is it. Um, you're watching some of the great vistas of Australian golf, a couple of people very casually, laconically playing around with no uh, you know, impact on scores or anything like that. It's fascinating. It's wildly different, and it's going to take it uh, somewhat of our message to a different community, which has got to be a good thing. Yep, and you'll speak to you, – you, you already caught up with Andrea a bit earlier on this morning. We'll play a bit of that, and I have heard the tail end of that interview, and – her um, the, the concept of just the benefit of being in green space as opposed to playing golf in green spaces is a very, very interesting thing. It makes me want to go for a walk in the park across the road as soon as we get off the phone uh, from one another today. Right, so there's a bit to get through. Brett Druitt, not too far away from joining us. Dustin Johnson, it's all over. The new season starts. We're recording this Wednesday morning. The new season starts tomorrow. Uh, well, Thursday US time, Friday morning our time. So it's not as if we've got a two or three month hiatus before we see anybody hit a golf ball in America again. But uh, that's the end of um, their wraparound season. Um, new one starts in a couple of days. Did it get you in, Hazy? Were you were you engrossed? Nope, I was not engrossed, Danny. And that will be as no surprise to you to, and most people listening. And I copped a bit of stick for not probably on Twitter for, you know, not giving Dustin Johnson the, the his just dues. Um, he, you know, he's clearly put together a brilliant couple of months here. Um, hat, my hat's off to him. He's, he's played really, really well. Uh, and there's no disputing that. I think he's averaging some ridiculous figure since the re- return from COVID in fourth rounds. Well, it might be 66 and a half or something like that. Shots he was 45 under. It, it, he's 45 under during the playoffs. So he was 45 yeah. under during the playoffs, which is, you know, which is pretty staggering when you think about it. But I will just say this, Andy. It, you know, I'm obviously in the... I, I may as well keep going down the, you know, the Dustin Johnson question mark path, which is really hard when he's the world number one. But if he's been averaging six or seven shots better than... or five or six shots rather better than par in his final round since COVID returned, the one glaring uh, omission to that... I mean, not that he played badly. He just got overrun by... Uh, better players on the day, notably Colin Morikawa, was in the major championships. And that's where, mm. unfortunately, we make all our judgments uh, on people's um, golf game, their, their their place in history, all that stuff. I hope, for Dustin Johnson's sake, that he can replicate that 
in the US Open next week and that he can continue on into the Masters and do what his talent deserves because unbelievable some of the things he does. Like, it's really impressive. And I think he's a much better player than he was five or six years ago. So yep. do give him his dues. For this tournament, Andy, I could not have cared less. I'm sorry. This used to be a massive thing, the Tour Championship. Now it's just a Mickey Mouse way of giving out money. We've said that before. It was very hard to follow. He wasn't the best player on the course all week. He still takes home the biggest check, which is, you know, because he's done so well during the year and the playoffs in particular, yep. as you mentioned. I held no interest for me, Andy. I, I struggled to watch when I didn't see Leishman and Smith coming up the board. My interest was limited. I'm sorry to say that. No, no, you don't have to apologise to me. So Xander Shawfly, had it been a you know no handicap event, uh, Shawfly would have won it. Uh, he continues to you know ascend in our consciousness as a you know as a top flight player, um, but we understand that. And the conversations around the world now, it's not certainly don't think for one second that it's being um, contained a, a couple of grumpy blokes back here in Australia. This is being kicked around <laughs> um, all over the world. I mean, the, the kind of the disdain for the way this thing wraps up is universal, and there there are eminent golf minds all over the globe who are trying to find a way of making this more compelling. And um, you know, I'm glad to hear that. And I don't know how serious it is, but but adding a match play component to it is now um, seeming to gain a bit of traction amongst those who. Um, may have some influence, so I'd be I'd be fascinated to see whether at some stage during the the tour playoffs, um, the FedEx playoffs, I'd I'd love to see a, a playoff component come into it. It it probably won't happen, but because players will kick up and say, well, I was the best, and then I had a bad round and I was out, and so they'll they'll protect their own patch. But interestingly, the PGA Player of the Year, you talk about Dustin Johnson, and you know you, you'll kind of um, your reluctance to completely embrace him as the best player in the world. He, he, was, he was fifth, voted fifth best in the PGA Player of the Year voting that um, was announced at the end of the Tour Championship as well. So Justin Thomas was, a voted, was voted the PGA Player of the Year. Ram second, Morikawa third, Simpson fourth, who also won the Varden Trophy, and DJ fifth. So in the minds of those who are, you know, assessing all of that, um, there's four ahead, and this is just in, on the PGA Tour. There's four ahead of Dustin Johnson in that consideration. I'll be, I'm staggered that Webb Simpson is among them, to be honest. He had a good patch there, but you, I don't know how... You, is it subjective? Is it objective? Don't really know. Obviously, the scoring, um, the Varden trophies and stuff, they're, they're the ones who um, aren't objective. They aren't subjective at all, but... Um, yeah, Webb Simpson... I, you know, yeah. he'd probably he's a he's a lovely bloke and a really 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 good golfer, just as Dustin Johnson is, not as good as Johnson. But in terms of watchability and things, I'm not sure if he's the one you'd put up there if it's subjective. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just harsh on a couple of these guys. Uh, they're outstanding players, Andy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not potting their abilities. One thing I will say is, uh, I would love to see match play. I'm a big advocate for the match play. I've said that several times. I think it's going to fall at the first hurdle because uh, if someone goes out in the first round, a Dustin Johnson or a you know, Tiger Woods, um, of the, the, the uh, TV, TV. Uh, people yeah. who drive so much of the golf will, will throw their arms up and go, no way, I'm not putting in billions of dollars if Tiger Woods isn't there. So it's destined to fail right from the start, um, that idea, unfortunately, in my opinion. But I will just say, Andy, that the players don't help themselves 
with the product as well. And there's been a great little tweet by Rob Williamson put out uh, in the last couple of days of, of John Rahm and Justin Thomas walking to the 17th tee in the final round. And for those who uh, haven't don't follow him on Twitter, it's just yeah, basically sure. saying what are you what are you doing in time in terms of um, being ready to play and and the time you take between shots and if if there's question marks over the watchability of some of this stuff, then watching Thomas and Ram bumble around for minutes and minutes and minutes before uh, hitting a shot, it's painstaking. It's and it oh, doesn't it reflect. It sort of goes back to what we we're saying before about that to your mind video. It's all good for rusted on golfers. It's bloody awful if you're just a casual viewer and you're watching two guys throw blades of grass in the air for three minutes. It's just un- unwatchable. It is. It's terrible. It's death of the game stuff, and they don't care. I mean, it's not. that's not their... Until they get a kick up the bum and get told that this is not acceptable and not good enough, and they start getting seriously punished um, in a manner that affects them, they're not going to change their behaviour. Um mm. You know, so I don't know what the solution is. The numbers in America, I follow Jeff Shackelford, have a read of Jeff Shackelford most weeks before we do the show, and he keeps a pretty keen eye on TV ratings. Um, and the numbers seem to be okay this year, year on year. Most of the numbers out of America are pretty good in terms of, you know, comparative figures to, you know, recent years, particularly the last one. So... You know, those who are, and we, we see this closer to home. I mean, in, in a game like, you know, Australian Rules Footy in the AFL, they, they think the game's travelling beautifully. Well, that's what they say publicly because the TV numbers are pretty good. Well, 99% of the public would tell you the complete opposite. So those who are pouring the money into, you know, American golf, while they're getting people watching, they probably don't, they probably don't know one end of a golf course from the other and they wouldn't know the difference between a drive and a putt. They're just looking at numbers and... Uh, if the numbers are okay, we'll give us a bit more of whatever that is, you know. So um, they're driven by it. We're, we're driven uh, helps, by something. It definitely helps the numbers. It definitely helps the numbers when, uh, you know, Major League Baseball wasn't in action and, and yeah, NHL true. and NBA playoffs were late and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it was helping a lot that the golf was back before the other sports, that's for sure. But yeah, anyway, that's we, true. we better take a break because I know we've got a very special guest to join us, but I wouldn't mind talking to you a bit later on about Valderrama and the opposite effect oh, we, on, uh, on European tour. Well, well, how much more fun would it be to have seen uh, half of those blokes in the Tour Championship teeing it up in Andalusia on the way? How much more fun would that have been to see them being tested by those conditions for um, to see how their game stacked up? Anyway, we'll get to that a bit later on. Very keen to have a chat about that. Uh, you're listening to Inside the Ropes. Don't go anywhere. Brett Drew with the latest Australian winner to join us on the other side of this. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Well, as you heard off the top of the show, we've got another Australian winner out there, 29-year-old from Taree, and we've been mentioning his name on this podcast for a couple of years now because he's been sticking his nose in the frame here and there, and uh, the playing the tournaments out seemed to have been a minor issue for Brett Drill. It wasn't an issue for him this week on the Corn Ferry Tour, how he prevails and gets... Well, it could be a life-changing, it probably is a life-changing result already, but it could be a significant one down the track, and uh, it's with great joy that we welcome him to the show. Brett Drewitt, thanks for joining us on Inside the Ropes. No problem, thanks for having me. Well done. Yeah, yeah, what can I say? It's a, uh, It's been a long time coming. Have you got a sense for how, bi- how big it is and what it might mean to you? Have you kind of been able to wrap your head around that yet? I 
you know, I think it's starting to sink in now. Um, a couple of days after finishing the Sunday afternoon, but um, you know, at the time it was just a lot of relief. It, it has been a tough couple of years actually. And, you know, this year, even though I've had a couple of top tens and elevens, the results haven't really been there. I've only made this is my sixth cut made in eighteen or nineteen starts. Um, so you know, it has been pretty tough. So. Definitely was relief when it first when it first happened now on Sunday. I think now it's starting to set in that I, you know, I'm a winner out here on the contrary tour, and and you know the belief that I can do it, you know, is I I believe I can do it, but you know, once it once it happens, that's when you really do believe it. Yeah, I bet. Beautifully put, and I think the key word maybe there in your own mind is 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 winner, Brett, because everyone admires what you've done. But until you get that W next to your name, it's a whole different ball game. It was five or six years between drinks from the one you had in China, 116 starts on that Corn Ferry Tour, which we all acknowledge is both a great tour but also a potential graveyard. Did you ever sort of have that sort of flickering moment where you thought this may not happen? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's. When you when you go through the, the times that I've been through in the last couple of years, where I, you know I got on the PGA Tour and I didn't keep my card out there, and I came back to the Corn Ferry Tour and um, I got off to a good start. The year I first came back in eighteen and had a third and a tenth, and um, I just couldn't I couldn't build my momentum throughout the rest of that that year and um, and get back to the tour and you know def- not not getting the victory. Um, Definitely, yeah. I think it's it's definitely halted my career. I think this is going to just. I think I'm going to build from this and uh, and go forward. Um, but it's just you know it's been a long road the last two years, and yeah, you know, there's definitely been a few things go through my head. I'll bet, um, mate. I had the very good fortune to catch up with you and, and watch you play a lot of holes at Pebble Beach, both in the practice rounds and the actual tournament of the U.S. Open uh, a couple of years yep. ago. It seemed, from my perspective, that you were incredibly calm for someone who wasn't, you know, accustomed to playing in major championships. But then I read in the last couple of days that you know you've undergone a fair bit of mental work to be able to um, calm yourself down, which is a shock to me because you you are such a, you know, pleasant, affable, level-headed sort of a bloke. In my opinion, is is it something that just gets to you in the moment? Um, I don't know. I might seem pretty calm on the outside, but you know, the the last couple of years the brain's been ticking and um on the inside, you know, just kind of getting ahead of myself or you know, just just my head's been getting in the way. Um, you know, the the belief part probably where, you know, you you're coming down the stretch and you know, you you're in the hunt but you don't finish it off and then you you know, so then you start questioning things, and I, I've definitely been doing that the last couple of years. And um, but trying, just trying to stay in the moment, um, one shot at a time. But my my caddy and I this week, we uh, we had a good a good little thing going where it was we hit the shot, and then we clock off, and it's next job. So when we get to the next shot, it's a different job. It's a different shot. You don't worry about the one before. Um, and I think I did a really good job of that this week. And it was it was kind of weird. Like I haven't been working with anyone um, in particular, just 
you know, my wife and I have been talking about it. She's always been drilling it in my head about, you know, you've got to get out of your head. You, you know, you you got the talent and all that kind of stuff. You just need to believe it and put, let let the clubs do the talking and put results on the board. And, you know, um, I think I finally listened in a way. And um, I don't know, the, the, coming down the stretch, definitely on Saturday and Sunday, it's nearly like I knew it was going to happen. So uh, in a way, that kind of calmed me a little more. And um, I just kept playing shot after shot, hitting my targets. And if I didn't hit my target, it was I was missing it in the correct spot and making you know the up and down or the a little longer two putt par a lot easier than short siding myself. And I think that was that was the big difference last week. Was I think out of 72 shots into the green, I, I finished my ball on the fat side of the pin 67 times. So wow. I didn't have to do a lot of hard work um, grinding for pars and, and that kind of stuff, which was really nice to. That's a great that's stat, fair. Andy. I'm yeah. loving that. Oh, that's not. But see, that's that's how big a learn is that for you, Brett? When you, when you, that number in particular, missing it that many times. Well, not missing it, putting it that many times on the right side of the hole. What do you, when you think about that from here into the rest of your golfing career, how significant a learn do you reckon that might be? I, I think it's going to be huge, and yeah, it's been something I've. I've been working on and trying to do. Um, you know, I, I started a couple of years ago. I did a little bit of work with uh, Scott Fawcett, who has the decade system. Um, I've been you know, using that. I haven't been using it religiously, but I've taken it into my approaches to um, where just, just missing it, like taking taking safer targets with a more aggressive swing in a way. Um, <laughs> and... And that, that's one thing that I, I, I had. I just had to tidy it up because this year I have had. I've had too many times where I've short sided myself. I've had to work really hard to make pars, and um, I've just, you know I just made it really hard on myself. Uh, so this week it was, I, it just, to be honest, it just felt easy. Um, I it, yeah, and obviously you got to hold the putts to go with it. And you know this week I hold. I hold enough putts from the, the 10 to 20 foot range to, you know, to get the job done. But if those putts didn't go in, I, you know, I probably would have still finished around 12 or 13 under par and had a good finish, like at the top 10 or top 15. So now it's just building on that from here and, and just keep doing what I'm doing. And if those putts do drop, I'm going to be around the top. If they don't, I should be, you know, I should be in the top 25 uh, consistently throughout the rest of the year. Um, as long as I execute my, my shots and my game plans. At 19 under, if you're doing a job every time you come to the ball, I reckon you, you, you've shortchanged your employers. That's not many shots you've had, mate. 19 under, it's some amazing golf. I, I just wanted to take you back to the middle of the back nine. Um, everything's getting mm. tight. You've been in that position you know, a handful of times. Uh, you make a bogey, but then there's this calmness, outwardly anyhow, on the vision that I saw, that seems to take over your game. Um, and then... The 17th and 18th appeared to be playing really difficult. But then it was a bit of a let up for you when you made that little, I guess it was a five-footer maybe for par on the last and you realised the importance of that. You see yes. that fist pump and that's that's probably not something we're accustomed to seeing from you. Oh, definitely not. No, I'm, I kind of, when it comes to, to golf, I normally keep the um, the emotions on the inside, I would say. Uh, but there was, there was a couple of times 
out there in the final round, definitely, where you know, I gave it, it was a couple of fist pumps. And uh, I think when I hold my, I hold, I hold, a, I hold a five footer for birdie on 14 to part three to get to 20 under. Um, and it was like a, it was just a, it was a dead straight putt. And sometimes I feel like they're the hardest ones, definitely when you, you know, you're, you're under the pump, you're feeling it. Um, so I just. To, to hold that and it went straight in the middle was that that was huge. It gave me a lot of confidence, definitely going down the last four holes. And I hit a great putt for par um, on 15 that just didn't go in. Um, but I, you know, played the par five. Unfortunately, I just didn't have a club for my second shot that I could comfortably hit to where I needed to. And I um, and I didn't get up and down out of the bunker. But playing 17 and 18 the way I did was uh, yeah, it was just I get. Yeah. Three really good iron shots because I hit iron off the team on 18, and I hit I hit three really good putts. Yeah, that's awesome, Brent. I, I yeah. everyone in golf uh, has backstories. Uh, yours is enormous. Uh, the immediate one in the in the past few months has been, I would imagine, extremely challenging for you because when you set out for uh, from Jacksonville maybe three months ago, you might be able to give us the exact dates. You've barely seen your wife and your young child since, and I don't imagine you're going to get to this week. It's going to be a, a hell of a reunion when you catch up. Yeah, it's it's going to be odd. I think it's been, how many events have we played since the restart? Um, what, 13 or 14 events? Um, and I've been away since the second one, obviously. Uh, I haven't been able to make it back home. My wife is you know, taking care of the baby on her own, single mum life, so it's been hard. But, yeah, this is obviously this is the most rewarding part of it. Um, the hard work I've put on being on the road, um, it's, at least it's showed, um, got a result on the board for it. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, I thought about going home and taking this week off in Chicago, but we're going we're gonna to ride this momentum and... Um, you know, we're going to go give it a crack here, but at least I know I've got I got getting home and seeing her and the little boy um, on Monday, which I'm, I'm really looking forward to as well. Brett, how does it change? Yeah, sorry, sorry I how did you, say, I did, just, did you yeah. see the little video of Brett sort of talking to his little baby boy on the No, uh, on I the missed it. Screen? No, I'll hunt it oh, out. I've heard about it. Yeah, I've heard about it. it how does yeah, it change your perspective? Yeah. How does it change your perspective, Brett? Like. You've talked a bit before about, you know, you had some things going on and you're thinking about, you know, where you're at and, you know, I wonder whether you're thinking about, um, you know, why I should keep, you know, sort of persevering out here. And I'm only guessing whether that thought crossed your mind. And I wonder when you when you have a, you know, you've got a family now and you maybe you decide, okay, I'm going to give this one last crack. I, I, this is what I am. This is who I see myself being. This is the way I want to be able to provide for my family. And there might, there's going to be some sacrifices like the one that you're going through now away from home. How much does it change your perspective on um, you know, what you're doing this for? Oh, it, it changed a lot. Um, you know, I probably the last, couple of years I, I probably haven't been having as much fun doing it um and you know a lot of people would kill to have the job i have yeah uh getting to travel around play golf every day you know all i have to do i wake up in the morning i work out i get massages i i play golf i come home i sleep you know it's at the end of the day and people look at it it's pretty easy like, obviously it's not um but it definitely beats sitting in the office um, in a chair working on a computer or, or anything like that. And, you know, you guys know, you know, having a kid, it's not cheap. And 
it kind of that kind of part of it has was you know it was kind of wearing on me in a way you know I had to, how am I going to provide for my family? Um, yeah. Is is maybe is this not the right thing to do? Should I should I get a, a job where I can be at home and be with the family and um, you know provide that way and, and that kind of stuff? Because it was hard on my wife being me being away and her being a single mum because she doesn't have any we don't have any family in Jacksonville to help out and uh, but you know then last week I knew I nearly didn't play last week that was the funny thing is I got done in Evansville. And, I, um, I nearly got in the car and drove home and took the week off uh, just to spend, you know, spend with them and that kind of stuff. But we talked about it and she said, well, you know, go to Springfield. You've got a buddy from Australia, a guy who actually I grew up playing, uh, going to school with, and he lives over here now and he was going to caddy for me. So I did it. I just had fun. And then obviously executed a game plan that ended up winning. So it's, it, it is so funny how you know how that works out that you you might not play the event you're thinking about not playing the event and then you go out and win it and you know <laughs> should I turn up and do that every week? Just <laughs> keep doing that, mate. Um, yeah, yeah. See, no, see, it's, mate... it's definitely it's definitely changed my perspective on everything. Like people, you know, people kill to do what I do. So you know, I know I got the talent to do it. Now, what's getting in the way and Lately, it has it's been you know the six inches between your head between your ears <laughs> that um, has been you know pretty much costing me a couple of wins or you know missing cuts by one or two and you know hopefully now this will springboard into a, a little bit more consistent golf and you know obviously I've had confidence in that but now I've got the and now I've got the belief to to go out and hopefully you know win more but if not just contend more really. So Brett, you've got an old mate from home who's living in somewhere in southern Illinois, who's apparently some psychological genius who's, who's yes. jumped on the bag and talked you into a winning way. He's, he's a freak. Well, I wouldn't really say he's a psychological genius, but um, he provides enough good banter and, and stuff to keep me uh, keep me in line. Um, but no, he's, he's actually a uh, former sevens rugby player. He played for Scotland in um, the sevens, and he. He nearly got a couple of caps with the Brumbies uh, back in the day, but um, we, you know we went to school together. He was living over here, uh, coaching rugby ATL, and um, he just had the chance to come up and, and caddy for me. And um, he, he caddied for me in Portland as well, where I finished eleventh. So we've actually had a pretty good run the last two weeks. <laughs> you might want to give, you yeah, want to give him a contract, mate. Yeah. <laughs> he's got yeah, a no, rugby coach and he get on the bag. Yeah, he, uh, he might he might have a, a job for a little longer anyway. Put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> mate. Well done. Oh, sorry, Hazy. You go on. Yep. I've just got I've just got one more because I, I I'd, I'd love to know. I know you're pretty tight with your family back home, Brett. Even though you know the distance keeps you apart for a fair chunk of the year. What was the emotions like when you when you rang back home and you know to all those people in in Sydney and Taree who have helped you out through the years? Um, I think it was you know mum was quite ecstatic. Um, you know I talked to dad while he was at work as well and yeah we were all through the moon. Um, but I, I I don't know if I can really remember too much when we were talking. It's all a bit of a blur right after finishing. But um, yeah when I actually get home and we all FaceTime and uh, with, with the family and back home, I think, you know, a few more emotions will, will uh, come out. And um, But, yeah, uh, everyone's obviously 
you know, through the roof of that and quite quite happy and it's been a lot it's been a long road but you know, to get the to get this win there's been a lot of people um, involved in the team who's definitely one of them. So. Well, the journey's just starting out in a lot of respects, mate. It probably yeah. feels like you've done, you know, countless hundreds of hours to get to where you are now. But who knows? You look at the numbers, you know, you're inside the top 20 now. You jump from the 800s to the 300s in the world rankings. I mean, they, these are the things you look at that and I imagine you go, geez, that's, uh, if I can do this again, <laughs> um, who knows where yeah, this thing's going to take me. But, you know, like, just that's keep, awesome. Uh, keep moving forward. That's the, that's the goal from here. Hey, well done, mate. Everybody, um, I don't know whether you get a sense for it over there, but, you know, there's thousands of golf fans over here in Australia that, you know, we, we talk to every week and we're part of that community who um, follow you guys and girls all over the world on a weekly basis. It, it might feel like no one's paying any attention to you, but uh, your closest friends, but there's there's thousands of us who are watching you week in, week out, mate. So uh, we're all thrilled for you um, and we wish a continued success. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Brett Drew and another Australian winner on the Corn Ferry to uh, joining us here on Inside the Road. So we'll turn our attention to the a inspiration on the other side of this. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to the show. We'll turn our attention to the next um, major for the girls in a moment, the A&A inspiration. Just, just a quick word on Brett Drew. Um, that... that, that moment I reckon where and I'm going to assume that he, he reached that point at some stage recently where he thought oh, and he sort of talked about you know whether he should think about pursuing another career to you know provide for the family that was in a more you know dependable sort of a way that must be a that must be a critical moment in the world in the in the life and times of, of a professional golfer particularly if you decide to push on the what the road looks like next for the next, you know, undisclosed period of time. That before it either turns your way or you reach the dead end. That that is a that is a big moment for someone in that position to arrive at. I think there's very few Colin Morikawas or, for mm. that matter, Minji Lees in the world who go out and make uh, the, the handsome living they knew they could make in inverted commas um, straight off the bat, Andy. And I would say that. Not only the majority, but the vast majority have asked themselves oh, that most. question. But, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know, there's only a handful of people at the pointy end making the big bucks, and it's to see someone. He's only 29, but to see someone like um, I'm just I'm just going to rack, rack my brain here, but uh, Jamie Arnold, for example, who on the same mm. tour continue to improve and to still have the drive and the capacity to be able to do that is very much the exception to the rule because you know there's a lot of really good golfers who didn't catch a break working in pro shops. That's pretty much it, unfortunately. Spot on. Because the, yep. the, the dream is much more um, soft and cuddly than the reality of touring golf. That The, the pros are, are brave as humans because, you know, yeah, they've all got cushy jobs if things are going well, but Jesus, the mortgage payment's due and the wife wants you home and, you know, your, your, your boyfriend wants you back from Europe or something, whatever, whatever it is. Whatever it's it is, hard, yeah. hard, hard yeah. yakka, you know, on an emotional level. For those who do, you know, persist and prevail, they get the opportunity to play in major championships, and we've got the next one coming up. It's going to be a brutal test, I think, by the sounds of things at Palm Springs. The weather forecast is extreme. We're looking at, you know, in the American version, we're looking at hundred into the hundreds on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, American time. So. 
It's going to be a bit of a test, this Hazy. This is going to be more than just a test of their ability to, you know, execute. This is going to be this is going to be a test of their physical capabilities and over there. We've we've watched the Australian Open tennis and you get called off um, at various heats. This temperature in in uh, the Californian desert, I reckon, would smash the wet bulb into sixteen thousand pieces. Mm-hmm. This is going to be. Yep. Um, in mid 40s on occasions, and to the point where the LPGA Tour has condoned carts, golf carts for caddies. Mm. Um, it, it's uh, it's remarkable and so radically different uh, from the tournament we're used to seeing. Basically, it's the tournament held right before the the Masters. So we we herald this in uh, in April as the welcoming of the women's major championship season. We're seeing it in a compl- you know Southern California. In a uh, in a in a true desert state in the middle of summer, this is going to be wicked. So the dive into the pond on Sunday afternoon might be more <laughs> welcome than ever before. Uh, five Australians teeing it up: um, Green, Lee, O, Ruffles, Kirk. I don't think I've missed anyone. They're the five I think that are representing us in this tournament. So limited field event. Um, they're the five that are flying the Australian flag and. Martin Blake, what's his what's his official title? The, the senior well, golf writer of golf. What what is his no, official no, he, title? He's self he's self proclaimed chief golf writer. Oh, turn it up, Blakey. Uh, he <laughs> has caught up with the Australian <laughs> veteran Catherine Kirk, who's in good form, really good form at the moment. She's seen it all, so hopefully the conditions won't worry her the way they might a few others. Uh, we've got a couple of grabs from Kirky uh, when she caught up with Blakey and. The first one we're going to play is about the conditions that she's going to confront. I feel a lot better going in there this time around, but the, the only unknown really is it's the, the course conditions. And we're, when we usually play it in April, it's been overseeded with ryegrass and it's in mint conditions. Um, yeah. Fast, dry greens and next week I just looked at the forecast it's going to be it's boiling going to be isn't apparently it? 49 degrees Celsius I oh, think no. it's on Wednesday oh. Tuesday or Wednesday yeah so I've never, I don't think I've ever played in even 45 degrees Celsius so I don't know what 49 is going to feel like but um, wow. it is going to be yeah obviously different condition course conditions and then throw the heat in on top of it so it's going to be a totally different week um, and a lot of unknowns for everyone but um yeah, as long as you, I think, kind of try and recover at night as best as you can and stay hydrated during the diet during the day, that's going to be the two of the, the critical keys to having a good week. So I think that the LPGA put out a memo today saying that caddies could use a cart if they want to. Uh, which is, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, they did, yeah. Um, um, so I'm not sure who, who or who's caddying for you or, or what what he's going to do, mm-hmm. but um, you might yeah, be jumping so, in with, uh, yeah. <laughs> with... Yeah, obviously... Well, we, have to, we actually have to walk during the tournament rounds. Yeah. That's that's their regulation, which I'm fine with. I, I'd rather walk anyway. Um, but my caddy, he's from Ireland, and he does not handle the heat very well at all. So I did text him tonight saying, hey, have you thought about taking a cart to the tournament rounds? And I think there's a little bit of pride in there. I think he, he did respond that he would take the carts for the practice rounds and that he'd walk for the, the tournament rounds. But there, I would, I've got to imagine that there's a lot of caddies that are going to be feeling it and will definitely take the cart. 
this is Vern uh, Tess you're talking about. Yeah, it yeah. is Vern, yeah. Uh, yep. Well, so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it'd be interesting to see what happens. They might have to do something with tea times or, you know, I'm not sure that you can actually play. It could be dangerous to play in 40 if it's going to be 49. Yeah, it, it is meant to get cooler on the weekend just a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I think that's obviously why they came out with that cart rule or a option, cart option. They don't have to take them, but I'm going to say that a lot will, will take them up on that offer just to yeah, yeah save, save themselves. Yeah, yeah. But we'll be using sun umbrellas and just trying to drink as much water and electrolytes and, yeah, as possible. Do you remember the hottest round of golf you've ever played? Uh, Actually, I, I want to say the 2001 US Women's Amateur that I played here in Wichita. I remember it being 110 degrees Fahrenheit. I, off the top of my head, I'm try- I yeah. don't know what that is in Celsius. Um, but it was with humidity as well. It was unbelievable. I was drinking a Gatorade, water every hole like on the on the odd holes and then a Gatorade on the even holes it was you just trying to drink that much fluid and it was just pouring out obviously um but yeah what did I say it's gonna be 100 yeah 120 Fahrenheit which is 49 Celsius on I think it might be either Monday or Tuesday next week so that's that's unheard of for me well hopefully it is Monday Tuesday not Thursday Friday or Saturday or something yeah yeah seriously you can always practice late or something or practice very early yeah probably early is better I think the peak temps are three o'clock in the afternoon close to that so there's a there's an insight into you know not only the temperature but the way the course is going to be playing it'll be severely affected by this so there's going to be a whole lot of factors that they're going to have to take into account. Um, it was he, he didn't end there. He was under pressure to finish his work for us because he did have the Golf Channel desperate to get him back on. He's become big box office over there in America after a couple of appearances. He's the Q scoring over there is very strong. Whenever he appears, there's a spike in ratings. So he's very keen to do more with the uh, with the Golf Channel as his career blossoms. But he did spend a bit more time for us, uh, continuing the conversation with Catherine Kirk. And he talked to her about the, the stage of her career that she finds herself in now, one of the tour's real veterans. Old enough to be some of these rookies' moms. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's crazy. Um, it is. Is it possible you could... Do you think you play as well as you always have? Are you, are you getting better or, you know... I think my... Yeah, I think my game's the best it's ever been. Um, wow. Ball striking-wise, I'm hitting it further than I ever have before. And and a part of that's equipment as well, but um, my I think my mechanics have improved a lot in the last five years. Um, and my short game's better than it ever has been too. So... Um, I've always, in the back of my mind, I've said, yeah, I'd love to play 20 years out here, but I was chatting with my coach today and I said, hey, you know what, if if I'm still healthy and competitive and still enjoying it after year 20, I might play a few extra years. So right now it's it's a year at a time, but certainly, um, yeah, I'd love to get to 20. So the follow-on to that is, like, at 38 years of age, there's no reason in a game like golf where, and particularly with all the intellectual property that you've got, uh, mm-hmm. From those 17, 20 years or so of of playing out there, uh, there's no reason why you you know you need to kind of be winding down, is there? 
No, I look at Phil Mickelson and t- just turning 50 this year. And, I mean, he's playing some of his best golf too. So I think if you keep yourself fit and you still enjoy it, there's no reason you can't be competitive and, and still win. Um, and honestly, the, the win in 2017 kind of, I, I think, maybe reinvigorated me a little bit. Not that I was thinking about... Um, retiring then but uh certainly i guess that would that would have been my 14th year on tour um and yeah a long time between the second win and the third win but yeah it was a it was a boost to go hey you know what i still got what it takes to compete and i think i can use the experience to my advantage um over like some of the younger players and, and knowing the golf courses too that's a that's a big thing um obviously yeah rookies or second third year players even are still learning golf courses and, and trying to figure a little bit of course strategy out and i think that's always been one of my strengths and um that's what i've got to try and use to my advantage so we wish Catherine kirk all the very best she's in the sort of form hazy where you'd be silly to discount her um prospects um this week weekend yeah she was in the thick of it at troon a few weeks ago went back not too far from her house in kansas to arkansas played really really well shot a lot of birdies and any i'm i'm you heard her talk about the temperature and that she's going to walk uh she's a she's a very uh, tall woman Catherine kirk and she's physically strong and i can see her in a you know a stronger sense than a lot of players in this field. I think physically she's just stronger. Um, I, I I can see her walking tall when others are wilting in the heat. You know, Queenslander, she's bronze, yep. she loves being outside, da, 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 all that sort of stuff. Um, you just, you know, you, you, age-wise, she's probably to the point where you go, eh, she can't win a major. Everything else is saying something completely opposite to me. She, she may or may not get over the line. There's a lot of great talent out there. We've discussed it regularly, but... She's a she's not a faded force just yet. I, I I can see her in the tougher conditions really excelling. Yeah, hee hee. Um, so wrapping up other results around the world, we haven't been that. When I, I hope I don't offend anyone here when I say this, but the Symmetra Tour has been a really unhappy hunting ground for Australia in the last couple of years. We haven't really found too many girls regularly sticking there. Um, their beaks in the sort of in the frame late over there, but we had a couple right in the mix, and I wonder whether this we've we've seen you know speaking of Brett Druitt and Curtis like in recent this the, the next level down in America. I wonder whether a couple of girls now might start to become a bit more routinely engaged in Sunday afternoon activities over there. We had, we had a couple right in the mix this weekend. Yeah, we really did, and it's probably not since Hannah Green, who obviously got the the you know the guaranteed promotion when she had that stellar season three or four years back. Now um, on the Symmetra Tour, we've seen someone constantly competitive. But I do mm-hmm. agree with you wholeheartedly, uh, particularly Robin Choi, who uh, showed glimpses late last year of what was to come. But um, particularly at the Women's Australian Open, was not overwhelmed by playing among some of the they're a bigger name LPGA players on her home soil. She's just quietly spoken. She's a delightful young lady from Queensland. Um, but really put her nose in the frame, as you say there, Andy. And and she was beaten only by Kim Kaufman um, by a shot. And Kim yeah. Kaufman's a, already a very well-regarded LPGA Tour player. So 
high hopes that Robin Choi will not only... She's, I think she's now sixth on the Symmetra Tour standings, top five automatically up into uh, LPGA cards for next year. So um, on, they might only have limited status, but nonetheless, she's right on the door of qualifying for the big tour. Um, and she's quietly spoken, goes about her business, doesn't make a wave, but she's definitely coming as a golfer. And I'm sure she's seeing all the things of her peers around her and Gabby Ruffles, etc., coming up and Steph Kiriakou. Uh, she wants to be definitely be a part of that. And another name, Andy, that's very much off-Broadway, Hira Naveed, who um, was a, a regular mm. in West Australian state teams for a, a couple of years, a few years ago, went across to Pepperdine, the same college that uh, Catherine Kirk and before her, Lindsay Wright went to, and has compiled a really nice collegiate career. Has turned pro, finished sixth there. Um, she's, she's a real doer, Hira. Um, she's, she's again, quietly spoken, doesn't rattle the cage too much, but she's coming. And I think as we continue to say, the more we have pushing their mates, their peers along, even if they're not, you know, best mates, um, when you see a compatriot doing well and and the things that fall from that, um, I think that the group will come through together. So really huge praise to Robin Choi and Hira Naveed, both in the top sixth, uh, in Indiana there in the four wins invitational. Here, here. Uh, Europe was interesting. We've already sort of touched on Valderrama a bit, and the conditions were brutal. It was blowing sideways and you know, two overwinds. It was really, really tough. That, they, these conditions were brutal. It made for, um, point of difference-wise, it made for fantastic. You know, I mean, this is a pretty spectacular golf course to watch, and you, know, you see the reaction from players. I mean, Tommy Bjorn put out a tweet at the end of it. Uh, you've done it to me again. I'm, gonna, I'm paraphrasing. You've done it to me again, Valderrama. You've broken my heart, you cruel wench. But I still love you, and I'll be back again next year. It was something like that, right? So there's an affection for this golf course, uh, which can be pretty brutal when it gets the sort of conditions, um, you know, that they got on the weekend. Um, there's still a great love and affection for this for this track. Um, Two overwins at the, the young American, Catlin, gets the result. Martin Keim is the interesting one here, Hazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you've got any other takeaways from this one. The Australians all kind of drifted, except for Wade Ormsby, who finished pretty strong, actually, with a pretty impressive 70 in the final round to jump over a few, but he was at best place to tie 30, 31, something like that. But up bogeys 13, 15, and 18 to lose by one. We all know who Martin Keimer is. I mean, he slipped into the... He might have slipped outside the world 200 at one stage, I reckon. He might have slipped out of in recent times. He's got back into the 100 now. He, again, he put out a tweet after the tournament saying, um, you know, I'm sorry I let a few people down, you know, late, uh, but I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, I've contended the last two weeks and I know it didn't look like I'm the back nine, but I feel like I'm, I'm getting it back. And um, it'll be... As I said, he shoots three over and runs second. And he doesn't close it out the way you know he he was doing it sort of routinely ten years ago, but he's a bit of a watch, I reckon. Keimer, there might be a, there might be a second coming of Martin Keimer. Um, he's too good a player yeah. to not be able to get back into you know world sort of reckoning at some stage before he hangs him up. I think you said it all pretty much beautifully, Andy. And he's very watchable in my eyes, um, and. It shows you how hard it is, as as, uh, as we heard Brett Druitt say, to get over the line when someone who's won major championships takes the gas a little bit in the in the final stretch. Um, you know, not that he played badly, but Valderrama was just so penal that if you get on the wrong side of a couple of greens, which he did, it's it's over. So, uh, you know, 
I think really encouraging signs because his his ability warrants him being way at the pointy end of the ranking. So good to watch. I was I, I love Valderrama. I, I mean, I'm sure there's yeah. um, architecture gurus who will say it's you know not this and not that, but I, as a as a course to view golf from as a TV spectator, mm. that's got to be right on the second tier below the the links courses of of the UK for me. I just think that's um, brilliant to watch and demands so much. And, you know, it's so slippery and, geez, it was bouncy and rock hard around the greens. Oh, and those, yeah. Some of those parts oh, were off yeah. the charts. And it's, they put up a fascinating stat, Andy, Valderrama. And we've all seen the great shots there. Um, I'm just trying to think, um, oh, what's the guy, the guy from Northern Ireland who won the US Open? It just slipped my mind. Yeah, um, McDowell, the, you know, the famous albatross he had there on the 17th yeah. and so many magic shots on the 17th. Thank you for sparing me the embarrassment there. Oh, and I couldn't uh, remember Jason Scribner's first name earlier, so you know, <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting old, you know. But I just think that when they flashed up a stat that says if you'd played par golf at Valderrama in the last 25 visits, you would have won here 10 times and been in the top 10, another eight as well. And it tells you everything about the challenge that that course presents. And I, I don't know, I find yeah. that far more enjoyable to watch when you've got to uh, play a safe shot rather than just dartboard it to a soft green. So kudos again yeah. to the European Tour and all those in Andalusia, wherever you say it, Andy. I'm not good with my Spanish. Can, can I, just before we get to a break, um, can I just set a task for you, Blakey, or any of our listeners, right? Someone. I need to know about a bloke called Gabriel de Barber. Have you, have you ever heard the name Gabriel de Barber? Can't say that I have. Okay, so there was a tournament. They played in Japan on the weekend. There was a tournament in Japan. Rikua Hoshino wins. He's won three times the last three years up there. One of these really talented Japanese players. Sits inside the world top 100. You know, he could fall. He could stand up in your porridge and you wouldn't know who he is. But carving out a lovely career for himself in Japan. He wins, right? There was. I looked down the, the list of... Um, Scores in that it was an it was an exclusive Japanese. There's no one from anywhere but Japan. No one from any no Japanese flags on the on the contenders or those who played, but for one, and it was an Italian flag and it belonged to Gabriel de Barba. And I found one photo of Gabriel de Barba, and he looks every inch Japanese to me. Right, he's a very Japanese looking fella, but he goes under the name Gabriel de Barba and he plays under the Italian flag. He's the world number 2014, right? He has played seven professional tournaments, has missed six cuts. So he's teed it up seven times as a pro, has missed six cuts. The one cut he made, he finished tied ninth in the Days and Dory Cup in 2019, an event that Scotty Strange finished second in. Scotty Arnold missed the cut were the two Australians in the field. So, you know, there's reasonable players sort of teeing it up, and this bloke finishes top 10 in that event. But in the other six events he's played in, he's failed to make the cut. 2014 in the world, Italian flag, Gabriel de Barba, looks Japanese. I need to know from someone, send us an email if you know anything about this bloke. Um, we might have to get a Matty Griffin on the line or something to just to fill us in, somebody who spends a bit more time up in that neck of the woods to... But you just see these little oddities every now in the world of golf. And this one jumped out as me as I was just kind of scrolling through the bits and pieces uh, before we did the show today. So I need to know a bit more about this bloke. Well, but I love that. I'll, I'll, well, I think the listeners can hopefully fill you in, Andy, with a bit of Gabriel de Barba information. But before we go to the break here, because I know we've got to catch up with uh, Andrea Lamont-Mills on the other side of the break. 
Can you? You've been a big Caddyshack fan for a thousand years. Oh yeah, this is gold. Can you tell me more about Danny Noonan, aka Michael O'Keefe? His real name. Yeah. So Danny Noonan, Michael O'Keefe is his real name. Michael O'Keefe wants to caddy in the U.S. Open. He he's and on his social media platforms, he's put out a hey Danny Noonan here you know, forty years ago. I'm sorry, Michael O'Keefe, you 40 years ago, you knew me as Danny Noonan. I want a caddy for someone. He's going to try and raise some money uh, for a charity by doing it. But he wants to get on someone's bag for the US Open. So I, for one, uh, desperately hoping that he uh, that he gets a job. This is it the bloke, for those who don't realise, that the guy who uh, was the caddy at, uh, at the, at the course where... Bushwood, thank you for where Caddyshack took place, and he was the bloke who caddied for uh, Rodney Dangerfield. So uh, it's a it's a it's a small and slightly tenuous link to the U.S. Open, Andy, but we're going to run with it. Well, if he gets a gig, I want Tony Denunzio as well to get a gig. <laughs> uh, the smart aleck uh, bloke who always had the cigarette hanging out the corner of his mouth. I want him to get a gig as well, if that's the case. Whoever, what his real name is. <laughs> Uh, 40 years ago, that great movie was made. It's hard to believe, Hazy. It just ages us all. Right, uh, let's get a break out of the way. As you said, you've caught up with Andrea Lamont Mills. We'll find out what she's up to. We'll learn a bit more about Tea Your Mind, which is just truly. I'm going to. Before I go to bed tonight, I'm going to turn this thing on (laughs) and get lost following people just walking down fairways on coastal golf courses and just get lost in the ambience of the whole thing. We'll find out a bit more about it after this. Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to the show. Great to have you with us. A couple of weeks ago, regular listeners to the show would have heard Andrea Lamont Mills, the psychology professor and associate dean of research at the University of Southern Queensland, talking about the role that golf could play in a study paper that she was putting together on the impact of sport um, on women who are experiencing menopause. So, uh, that's one thing that she's doing, and we threw the APB out uh, for people who might be interested in participating in that. But there's another mindfulness thing that um, you and Andrea have spoken about, Hazy, which is quite something, this to your mind. Um, rather than you and I talk about it now, let, let's have a listen to the chat that you had with Andrea Lamont Mills about it, uh, and then we'll come back and have a chat after this. Well, we're delighted again to be joined by someone I hope can become a regular on this show, Andrea Lamont Mills, who joined us uh, not too long back, and she's back for a second crack at it. I hope I'm glad we didn't scare her off, Andy. Uh, but we want to talk to her today about a new Golf Australia initiative, and not just Golf Australia, the whole golfing industry called Tea Your Mind. Welcome back, Andrea. Um, thank you very much, Mark, for having me back. I enjoyed myself last time, so I hope you'll have me back again. Oh, we'll, we'll have you on any time. Did, did you get any sort of weird approaches after being on the show? Um, no weird approaches, but I got a number of golfers who uh, have participated in my menopause and um, well-being study in golf. So thank you very much for that. No, that's a pleasure. We, we can't wait to see the results when they all come out in the wash. Um, as I said, we've, we've uh, along with the PGA of Australia, the ALPG and the Australian Golf Industry Council, we've set up... To Your Mind, which is uh, a new step for golf in Australia, and it's all about uh, the mental side of the game and the well-being that, can, that it can uh, produce. Have you got yeah. any thoughts about what, the, you know, I suppose the outdoor space in particular has got to, to do for golf and, and the whole project, whole project that we're generating here? 
Well, Mark, we know um, that you know green spaces, connecting with green spaces. Um, when people do that, they feel happier, they feel more positive, they feel relaxed, they're optimistic and they're confident. So we know that green spaces can have an impact upon us at the emotional level. And golf is so well placed to really enhance those uh, positive aspects of our mental well-being. Because you're out there in the open, you know, you're getting some fresh air, you, you know, players are, are being physically active. So I see golf as being really critical to enhancing, as being able to enhance the mental uh, health of the players. Now, for those of you uh, who listen to this, and I'm assuming a lot will have a similar mindset to me, is they don't really buy into, you know, the mindfulness of it and the, and the calmness and the tranquility of to your mind. But it's, it's probably a good thing psychologically to sort of, you know, take a deep breath and appreciate what it is we have around us at some point, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, not, it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to slow down and unwind. And we know just by being in nature that that's what happens. You know, you sort of you push all the negative um, thoughts and emotions aside and you can just really be relaxed and in the moment, which is what mindfulness is all about. So I think golf is really well placed to help, you know, the golfers just feel relaxed and feel better about themselves. And connectedness, again, this is not my strong suit, Andrew, and I apologise for that, but I know that um, I've, I've heard you talk before about how important it is to feel connected to a community and, and golf clubs in particular, membership uh, opportunities enable people to sort of have that connectedness with the community and, and that also I believe is, is very strong for mental health. It, it is. Um, and those uh, individuals who feel more connected, feel more positive, they have less depression, they feel more relaxed, they're less, less anxious. So we know that uh, social connectedness is really uh, important for our mental well-being and you're quite right. You know, golf clubs and sporting clubs really are unique in that aspect. There's lots of opportunities available in golf to connect with others. Um, and that's not just other players, but really the staff at the golf clubs play a really critical part in fostering that sense of connectedness with the players. Um, but it's also it's the connecting with the green space as well. We also know that this social connectedness to green space also has these positive uh, effects. So, you know, golf's got it, um, you know, well covered in both aspects. From a, from a sort of a clinical standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, do, have you, what are people who aren't used to seeing this side of things in golf, what are they going to benefit from when they sit down and take a look at the video? I mean, it's three hours of video. I can't imagine that everyone's got the, the time uh, to be able to commit to watching it all the way through on, or necessarily mm-hmm. the, the desire to, but I assume there will be some uh, relatively um, quick effect of, of goodness come out of this. Um, there, there will be. We know that um, just by watching Green Space, you get all of those benefits that I've talked about. So just by watching the video, and I've, I've had a look at the video, it's fantastic. I certainly felt more relaxed and happier Um, people should feel you know by just viewing it they'll feel more confident and they really feel more happier of course hopefully that'll encourage them to actually get out and benefit even more by playing golf 
So that that's really interesting. I didn't. I, I assume when you were talking about getting out and open space that, you know, it is a a requirement that you're actually participating, but viewing it can be just as imperative. Um, it can be. It's not as strong as actually uh, engaging regularly, and that's critical, engaging regularly in green spaces. And again, golf is well set up for that. But just, you know, looking out of the window or viewing a video on green space can also have some similar effects, but they're not quite as strong. Well, it's fascinating. This is a whole, you're opening up a whole new area for not only our listeners, but myself in particular here, um, Joe. So, uh, Andrea, so we really appreciate your um, expertise because it's definitely not my long suit, I guarantee you that. So <laughs> thank, you, thank you again for joining us um, and we'll look forward to catching up with the results of this and also the, the menopause study for the, for the women golfers. So thanks again. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Mark. And can I just do a shout-out to the staff and players at the Sandy Gallup Golf Club in Ipswich? The golf club actually borders the University of Southern Queensland Ipswich campus where I'm situated, so I can actually see the fairways from my office and I get all of those benefits by watching the players play. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be rapt to hear you say that. They want to see you out there, though, Andrea. Um, uh, yeah, I think we've had that conversation, Mark. I play golf very badly, so that would not be something... Uh, that perhaps might be a, a uh, comedy that they would be looking at. But thanks oh, that, a lot, that, Mark. For ha- that might benefit them too, Andrea. That might really um, set them on the path to mental well-being. <laughs> that could. So thanks a lot, Mark. I really appreciate the, t- the opportunity to talk with you. Thanks very much, Andrea. We'll do it again. Thanks again. Thanks. That's Professor Andrea Lamont-Mills, Andy, uh, from the University of Southern Queensland, just becoming a regular on the show. It's a fascinating chat. It's stuff that 99.9% of us never think about, I don't reckon. I mean, we all know we like a game of golf and we feel good out on the golf course, but I wonder how many of us, maybe some in Victoria, have got a more acute sense for the mental well-being aspects of the game of golf at the moment, given what we're going through. But we'll have a sharper understanding of all of that going forward, I reckon. No doubt. Uh, this troubling time has taught us a whole new range of things and to appreciate different things Andy and uh, mental health incrementally even before the pandemic was becoming a hot topic um, and now it's been thrust straight into the you know the forefront of all our thinking and it's going to be a massive factor going into 2021 and beyond yep so um, as, as I fessed up to Andrea and as I said to you earlier it's I'm not going to sit here and lie about me being the target audience for this but um, for a lot of people, it could be really beneficial, I reckon. Oh, no doubt. So, look, if, you, if, you, if you're listening to this and you think you're feeling a bit closed in and you haven't been able to get out and you have a look at it. It, it, you might last for five minutes, you might last for an hour, you might last for the full three, and at the end of it, you might find yourself getting lost in the thing and it's been an enormously beneficial uh, process for you. So, to your mind, you'll be able to find it and, um, you know, see what it does, see if it helps. It was interesting to me, Andy, when, when Andrea said that it was, just, you know, obviously the most benefit you can derive from open and green spaces is actually being among it. But that, that yep. video can actually drive the, the same results, not to the same extent, but the, same, the start of the same um, benefits for, for everyone mentally. Just by watching a video of some beautiful, beautiful scenery and, you know, it, it is spectacular. Um, it's just not. Uh, let's just say that John Rahm and Justin Thomas might fit in beautifully. It's fairly slow paced. 
Jeez. There's no rush, folks. That's for sure. Uh, righto. Um, what other bits and pieces? We got? There's some um, more doing it for Jared stuff. I know you've got for us, which we need to know more about. What other What other bits and pieces before we wind it up again this yeah. week for us? Hey? So we had uh, Bryony Lyle, the uh, widow of the late and great Jared Lyle, on our show, and we'll get her on again soon. We had her on a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, but she just gave me some stats, Andy, of how things are progressing this year um, for the Doing It for Jared campaign, which is essentially every club around Australia has the opportunity to join in just by by uh, dedicating one member's day, you know, your Tuesday comp, your Saturday comp, whatever, to doing it for Jared Cause, uh, which is just so enormously important to challenge and all the work they do around not only kids with cancer, but the families who have the kids with cancer. It's just critical. Um, and especially in this year when um, fundraising is a, is a massively huge logistical challenge for everyone we all need to sort of keep this great concept alive um so far andy there's been 44 clubs who have registered for the 2020 campaign um 10 clubs outside victoria had committed to dates during august and september and decided to continue with those events uh five of the doing it for jared days have already been held throughout august with another five planned this month um, last year there were 200 clubs nationwide and uh, and challenge was able to raise just under $200,000, which was a huge effort. And it was their intention to surpass that amount this year. But uh, because of the difficulties I just mentioned, it's all been a, yeah. a bit of a challenge. But so far, based on the events that have been held, they're still on track to reach that phenomenal amount in 2020, just based on the generosity of the people involved. So um, huge achievement so far. For clubs outside Metro Melbourne, it's still definitely possible to hold um, a DIFJ event at your club during stage three restrictions. However, it looks as though we'll all be moving towards um, hopefully a bit of re- respite from that Andy around Victoria. Um, but nationally, please get involved. Um, if you've ever thought that what Jared Lyle stood for and did was something to uh, get behind, this is a great chance. Knock on your pro's door, uh, yeah. knock on your manager's door and just get him involved. All the clubs who register for the campaign receive a registration pack that includes a special 2020 doing it for Jared pin flag, plus some great titleless prizes. And if you're unable to hold a comp on your chosen day, the prizes can be auctioned or raffled to help raise more funds. So every club that receives, um, every club will also receive five special golden tickets to attend any day of the 2020 Australian PGA Championship. And every club entered will be in, entered into the major prize draw with one member from three different clubs receiving a playing spot in the 2020 Australian PGA Championship Pro-Am. Um, <laughs> It's pretty amazing, to be honest. Yeah. So, as I said, just donate a gold coin when you're at, at your club members' day. Nothing sim- nothing spectacular has to happen. And if you want any more details, Andy, just challenge.org.au, the website. Uh, get on there and do it for Jared. Well done. It's a good thing. Obviously, great cause, one that's close to your heart and everybody here uh, at Inside the Ropes, obviously. Uh, anything else before we get going? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a couple more little things. I yep. do want to make um, special mention of a new appointment at Golf Australia. Um, Therese Magdulski is the new uh, general manager of events and operations, taking over is from... A f- familiar name, Hazy? It is, taking over from Simon Brookhouse in that role. And Simon started this week uh, as the chief executive of the new Tasmanian team in the NBL, which is great. Um, so Therese has stepped in there and, and she's a wealth of knowledge and experience. So that's great. And for those who are regular listeners to the show, you're right, a familiar name. Uh, Therese is the wife of Simon Magdulski, the rules aficionado extraordinaire. Um, and I'm, I'm led to believe, Andy, that when 
um, Therese took this job, but nominally she's uh, higher up the totem pole at Golf Australia and, and um, she took great pleasure in telling the kids mm. at home that she was now more important than dad. So that went over like a wrought iron hang glider, I think, in Simon's like mind, it. but no, nonetheless. That's further, further endorsement of the Vision 2025 in, in action here at uh, around Golf around Australia, Hazy Order thought. So there you go. Correct. And one last thing from uh, inside our walls at Golf Australia, Andy, there's uh, a job available for those who um, are interested in working for Golf Australia uh, in the marketing communications department. Um, I want to give a big shout to Rosie Interregi, who's uh, sadly leaving us. She's helped us with this show. She's been a, a force for a few years at Golf Australia now, and she's taking up a role with Limbs for Life, to her credit, um, something that she's very passionate about um, going on the marketing side there. And that opens up a role for a marketing and digital coordinator and applications for that job close uh, on the 13th of September, this Sunday. Um, but it's an awesome opportunity, I think, to, to come and work with us. Um, you know, maybe to join the team at, um, at Golf Australia. Uh, and if you're interested in doing that, um, I think the best way to do it is to go to the Golf Australia website, Andy, and just scroll through the news section. And there's actually yep. a little website story there. Um, so look, we're looking for a marketing and digital coordinator um, a, a big, challenging role. Um, we'd love to get you involved. Uh, well done to Rose for everything she's done for the game and wish her all the very best. And one of the great side benefits, uh, if you are lucky enough to win the role that Hazy's just told you about, uh, is that you get to um, work with Martin Blake and you may even get, he may even allow you to have a photo taken with him at some stage. And if he really likes you, he may sign it. So there's uh, there's some benefits that come with that role that uh, money can't buy, to be honest. So um, there's that to take into account. <laughs> when we get back into the studio, Andy, in the far-flung corner of the future universe, he's going to smash you. Yes, he will. He's done that before, though, Hazy. Jumped on the back of my head in a game of footy, so I know what it's like to be smashed by Gazelle. Uh, that's it. Well done to Brett Druitt. Uh, great to have him on the show. We wish him all the very best going forward. Let's hope that this is a big springboard for him uh, from this point forth. Good to see you. Uh, you. We'll see you next week to do it all again. Uh, Mark Hayes joining us, as he always does. We join Mark Hayes every week for Inside the Ropes. This has been... Ep 180. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Back next week to do it again.